Welcome to the latest edition of the Hot Takes Podcast. Auburn Plainsman. I'm Sam Butler, the sports editor there. And I'm joined by Evan McCullers, as always, the assistant sports editor. And we are sitting here recording this on, what's today, Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Wednesday. And we will be heading out to Lexington as soon as we're done recording this. Yep. To go see our Auburn Tigers take on Kentucky. Um, we had a podcast last week, and we recorded it. We did. And it did not get published. It did not. So... We will, I guess, go over things that we went over in that one again, but not as in-depth, and throw in a little bit of Kentucky preview, I guess, as well. Uh, The big story, which we did cover last time, but as we said, did go up. But anyways, Duke Williams didn't get suspended earlier this season, missed six days of practice after spat Damien Craig, and then last Monday, kicked off the team. And he's not enrolled in school anymore. He's done. Yep, he's out. Um, I actually saw, I believe it was yesterday, he kind of broke his silence regarding uh, the whole incident. He didn't really give any insight into the what actually happened to get him kicked off the team. But he took to Instagram uh, a post there to issue an apology to his teammates, said he has no hard feelings towards Auburn. Uh, that he appreciates his time here, and or, or appreciated his time here, and uh, wishes everyone here the best. But, uh, yeah, the reports out of that are uh, there was a little spat downtown uh, last Saturday, or Saturday night before last, after Auburn's game against San Jose State, um, which led to his dismissal. So we'll see where Auburn goes uh, as far as, on the field and off the field. Uh, obviously, this is a, a big off-the-field issue, but you have to replace his on-the-field production as well. Uh, and Well, I should say his on-the-field uh, talent because we haven't really seen much production thus far this year. No, no. Uh, we saw some flashes of brilliance, I guess you could say, last year where he came in as the number two receiver behind Sammy Coates but effectively ended up taking that number one guy mantle from Coates there at the end of the season. Even though he did get injured in uh, that A&M game, he still showed a lot of potential, and then he kind of surprised everybody by coming back for his senior season after he was suspended from the Outback Bowl. But then he came back this year and kind of goes hand-in-hand with the struggles Auburn's had on offense. Duke only has, I think, 12 catches. Yep. Had 12 catches on the year for a little over 100 yards and one touchdown. So nowhere near what we're used to seeing from Duke. And I don't know, I guess with him off the team now, I kind of get the weight off everybody's shoulders. Yeah, I think he was always kind of the elephant in the room uh, as far as the the team goes because, as you mentioned, he had the suspension before. Uh, He was suspended for the Outback Bowl last year due to an undisclosed uh, incident. And so... And plus, he had the, you know, everybody wants to bring up the tweets that he had in May suggesting that uh, he didn't want to be here. And so I think all of it just kind of snowballed. And uh, he's obviously a guy with some problems. And you hope for his sake that he can get them worked out. Um, Given his background, it's a pretty sad story, uh, you know, that he couldn't make it out uh, of Auburn and pursue his NFL dreams, at least from here. 
but I'm sure he will get a shot in the pros somewhere, whether it's a, a late round draft pick or undrafted free agent. Yeah, I see him more as an undrafted free agent. I don't think a lot of teams are going to touch him, especially with his lack of production. They saw even before he got kicked off, he was kind of loafing around on offense. Yeah. He, he kind of understood the struggles that the offense and the quarterback especially was going through. And as a result, that kind of translated into a lack of effort, especially on blocking, although he did from time to time throw some good blocks there on the yeah. outside. But as a whole, kind of generally, he didn't give as much effort as he did the previous year. He knew everything was kind of bogged down, and it was kind of apparent that he was just punching the clock until he could get out of here and go to the NFL. Yeah, I noticed in particular in the Mississippi State game, uh, obviously the offense struggled a lot in that game, only scored nine points, uh, got in the red zone four times, and couldn't uh, score any touchdowns. But at the end of that game, when we were down on the field, uh, Auburn was driving towards us. Uh, I believe it was their last drive of the game. And they were just trying to – it was kind of a desperation drive. And so Duke was running some deep routes towards us. And uh, on a couple of them, he seemed – he looked fairly open – and the quarterback did not throw him the ball, and he would just kind of throw his hands up and, like you said, kind of loaf around after the play. Uh, I don't think he was very happy with the uh, – well, I don't think anybody's very happy with the overall offensive production, but him in particular, I don't know if he was pleased with his touches. You know, didn't, I don't know if he didn't think he was involved enough in the offense um, or what, but, yeah, I definitely agree that at, at certain times uh, we did not see anywhere near peak effort. Yeah, like you said, that was just one little microcosm, yeah. kind of indicative of how the season had gone for Auburn and Duke in particular. But now, with him gone, that leaves Ricardo Lewis to step up in his place as the number one guy, and then more than likely we'll have Melvin Ray and Marcus Davis slide in as the number two and three guys there. And then you can mix in a little bit of Stanton Truitt and even throw in carry on. He's done pretty well also out there. And even, who knows, Maybe towards the end of the season, we could start seeing some freshmen like uh, Ryan Davis. He's been a guy that the coaches have heaped a lot of praise upon. Ricardo's given him lots of praise, too. But I guess we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, going back to what you said about Ricardo, he's been the number one receiver, you know, at, at least this year. You know, the, But he'll have it officially. Uh, yeah, of course, right. Um, officially, you know, he's the guy now. But as far as production goes, we talked about Duke struggles. Ricardo's really stepped up yeah. into that role. Uh, I, none of the receivers have played exceptionally well, but I think out of all of them, he's been by far the best. And talking about the freshmen, I think uh, this week against Kentucky and next week at Arkansas are going to be really indicative of how much we see them because I think if you get past those two games and we don't see them on the field, I think that's a pretty good indication that they'll be redshirting this year. But if they were ever going to get thrown into the fire, I think these two road games are the time – that we'll see them do that. Yeah. So and, should um, get a pretty good idea of the whole wide receiver situation in general over the next couple of weeks because you figure in both of those games they're going to be fairly close games and Auburn is going to have to be much more balanced offensively than they have been. So they're going to look to the passing game and uh, we'll see which of those wide receivers, if any, will step up. Yeah. And another big question is who's going to be throwing those receivers the ball? Yeah. After the San Jose State game, Gus Malzahn more or less opened up the quarterback competition again. He said that Jeremy Johnson had had a really solid few weeks of practice. He said 
he's gotten more relaxed. He said he understood that it was really all mental as far as the setbacks that were happening to him earlier in the season, those first three games. He said that he's ready, basically. And even if Jeremy Johnson doesn't start, he said he still has all the confidence in the world. And Sean White, who has been, a, I guess you could say, effective game manager, he's done what's asked of him. He hasn't put his team in a whole lot of positions to lose, but he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot of things besides basically hand off to Peyton Barber. Yeah, the his first drive uh, as a college player was obviously against Mississippi State, and they seemed to kind of open it up on that first drive, and then he threw the interception in yeah. the red zone, and he hasn't really screwed anything up since, but like you said, he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot either. So I found it kind of odd, even after he played fairly well against Mississippi State and fairly well against San Jose State, given what he was asked to do, um, Gus at no point committed uh, to him whatsoever. He, I mean, even though he, he kept saying week-to-week was the phrase that he used, he said we're going to evaluate the quarterback position on a week-to-week basis. So there was never any commitment to Sean. Um, and in my opinion, that doesn't bode well for his chances to start at Kentucky. I, I think it's more than likely we will see uh, Jeremy out there to begin the game against Kentucky. And Rhett Lashley, the offense coordinator, also didn't rule out playing both of them. So we'll just see how things unfold. But uh, I do believe that they'll uh, that they will start with Jeremy, and you know we'll see how he performs if the early season struggles return. Uh, I think he'll be on a very short leash. Uh, I think you know one or two picks and or bad decisions, and he's out of there. Yeah. Uh, you got to go back to Sean. I don't think. And that's another thing. I think if you throw Jeremy in here now and he fails again, uh, I don't think at any point later in the season you can put him back out there. Uh, I think this is kind of for all the marbles here. If you go with him, this is his last stand. Yeah, and if you pull him, that just that's too much of a psychological blow in my opinion to not stick with Sean for the rest of the year. But it will be uh, interesting to to see how they go against yeah. Kentucky. How that whole competition plays out. Yeah, Gus hasn't officially announced who's going to start today in the t- uh, Wednesday SEC coaches teleconference. Malzahn said that it more than likely be a game time decision. And in my opinion, I think that points to Jeremy because if they were going to stick with Sean, he wouldn't have made such a big deal out of it. He would have said last week, no, Sean's still the quarterback next week. We're going to roll with him. But if they're going to switch, it'd make more sense not to give it away too early and keep Stoops on Mark Stoops on his toes a little bit, yep. even though he still might see it coming. Might as well take a chance there. And I also think that the decision is probably already made. Oh, yeah. He's just not announcing it because practices are done. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. you've that's seen right. all you're going to see. You you pick a guy, you go with him, and that's that. But like you said, Gus is not going to. Unless the coaches are the sitting down in the war room 20 minutes <laughs> before kickoff and, like, polling everybody in the room to decide who they want to start and then going with the majority, I'd say odds are they've got who they want in mind, and it'll be, if anything, a game-time decision when to announce it. Yeah, right. There's no decision, really. Kangaroo court at quarterback. Yeah. That's basically what you're suggesting. Basically. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that would go very well. I think that's uh, probably a decision that the coaches could make more effectively than the team. 
I am a Joe. I am a Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, we'll play Kentucky, who yes. is doing surprisingly not terribly this season. They've squeaked out a few wins, though, against some lesser talented teams. Uh, Eastern Kentucky and another one, I forget, like Louisiana Lafayette or something. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I think that was their first game. They beat them by a touchdown opening week or 10 points, something like that. But then they really got into a scare uh, against Eastern Kentucky mm-hmm. last week uh, or week before last, I can't remember. And, um, and But, you know, Auburn hasn't been immune to those either. You look at Jacksonville State, it's a game Auburn probably should have lost. Uh, San Jose State, except for the four turnovers that Auburn forced, uh, was a very even game. So, Yeah, I talked to uh, Tyler Urban, the San Jose State running back, after the game. And he said when they were watching film prior to Auburn that they all kind of agreed that that was a very winnable game. And they weren't really intimidated, I guess you could say, especially considering they played in Jordan-Hare the year before also. He said that they had all the confidence in the world that they could win. They just shot themselves in the foot four times, and Auburn didn't do it at all. Although, Auburn did fumble several times, but jumped on it. Yeah, four times. Four, yeah, four times. But four balls. But on they got own. everyone back. How long? If, it, if that doesn't keep up, that could be even more trouble, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the ball isn't going to mount your way for no. the whole season. Um, and Auburn frankly, use all the bounces they can get at this point. But uh, when you start putting balls on the ground, there's no uh, there's no telling how that oblong object is going to bounce. So Fickle ball. It is. So next time it's going to go, you know, straight to the other team. You know, you may have gotten it four times this game. Uh, against Kentucky, you put it on the ground four times, and they could get it four times. So – uh, you, you just never know, but the easy way to prevent that is to just hold on uh, to the ball. Um, that's something that Brett Lashley has stressed to his guys. Uh, he says that that's something they've been working on a lot in practice since that uh, San Jose State game. And that's definitely an area where they have to improve uh, because, like we've said, those bounces aren't going to go your way for the whole year. So. Aside from the interceptions, which were a problem with Jeremy, the fumbles are now becoming an issue. Yeah. And um, Peyton Barber's getting most of those carries. Yep. And five touchdowns against San Jose State. He's effectively become the guy in the backfield. Although, Brock Thomas is getting in there some, kind of as a change of pace back. More or less, the backups become carry-on Johnson. That freshman out of Madison Academy up in Madison, believe it or not. Um, Three straight football uh, titles with the Mustangs. Mm -hmm. Last one came in Jordan Hare. He's uh, got some early playing time, mainly at LSU. That's when he really burst onto the scene. Yeah. And he's been uh, going out of the Wildcat a few times. He went out of that um, for a few snaps there against San Jose State. And he's done pretty well there. I think that that could become a viable option down the road. And honestly, I believe that his future is very bright at Auburn. I think he has the chance to become one of the better running backs that Auburn has seen in its history, which is saying something. Yeah. Because uh, this, this is, is running back you. It is. Uh, this is a place where Bo Jackson, some guy named Bo Jackson, yeah, uh, played. Uh, 
Carnell Williams, Ronnie Brown, obviously back in, in 04, Trey Mason, um, and Cameron Artis Payne, statistically two of the best seasons in Auburn history. So, you know, you're, you are making a bold prediction there. But hey, I, I this agree. isn't the Hot Takes podcast for nothing. We don't call it that for nothing, definitely. Um, but I agree he could be very good. I don't know if I'll go one of the best in Auburn history quite yet. Um, but I think he could be a very solid back. I think once you get him in the system a little bit more, especially in the offseason, put a little weight on him, he could become more of an every-down back. Uh, to me right now, he's still sort of in that Rock Thomas role. It's sort of, I mean, he's a little bit bigger than you would think a, a quote-unquote st- uh, scat back. Would, right. would be like an Ontario McCaleb was a few years ago, uh, Corey Grant these last couple of years. But I still think right now you, you're seeing most of his action on the edges, you know, reverses, sweeps, that sort of thing. But they did throw him uh, in the Wildcat against San Jose State, and he had several runs up the middle. But I think especially in future years, once they get a little weight on him, a little muscle, uh, he's going to become uh, an elite every down back. So I, I think you're – a little off there uh, as far as how high you've got it, but I definitely think he's going to be a... The take was a little spicy. It, it was. It was. We try to keep them that way yeah. here on the hot takes. So we get canned. Yep. Well, uh, you got any predictions for this Kentucky game? I'm going to go um, Kentucky 31, Auburn 17. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go uh, two touchdown win on Thursday night football. For Kentucky, I just think, uh, and that's another thing we didn't discuss is the the Thursday night effect. You know, that's going to be, from all I've heard uh, from from people up there, uh, that's that game has been circled for. Obviously, Auburn was highly ranked in the preseason, yeah. So that was kind of a, a game that you look at immediately on the schedule. Auburn is far from highly ranked now. I think uh, in the USA Today one through. Uh, 120 poll the other day. Uh, Auburn was somewhere in the 80s, but still, that, that's a you know, Auburn's a still sort of a big name in college yeah. football. And Kentucky, with it being cross division, with it being a, a Thursday night game, uh, that game's been sold out for months. I think they're going to come in droves. I think they're going to be hype, and uh, I, I think it's going to be quite an atmosphere in Lexington. I, th- I think it's going to be tough to get over the offensive struggles that Auburn's had, even while they're at home uh, in a road environment like that. So, yeah, 31-17. I kind of agree with what you said. I think that Lexington is going to get pretty amped up for this game. Like you said, they've had it circled for a while. They've been looking forward to this for a few months now. And Auburn has had some experience with the Thursday night game, especially on the road. They did go play up in Manhattan at Kansas State last year. That game they pulled out. 20-14, 20-14, to 14, I believe the score was. Mm-hmm. And that was right before their season started going downhill quick. But yeah, I think that experience on Thursday night does help a little bit. And, I don't know, I've just had this feeling that this game, Auburn does figure it out more or less. Not, not back to the high-flying ways of 2013 and early 2014, or even late 2014, I guess you could say. But I think they figure out some of their offensive struggles. I think if Jeremy does start like we think he will, I think that he kind of figures it out. I think the benching was good for him. I think he'll come out and make better decisions. And I think that the expulsion of Duke kind of flips a switch on on his team. I think that it revitalizes them. I think that they 
realize the potential that the team has and that they're not distracted by what Duke brought to that team anymore, I think that it kind of brings them together in a way. It's kind of a wake-up call. I think that they just come out ready. I think the bye week helped them a lot. And I think that they just put it together for this game. I don't know if they'll continue down the road, but I think Auburn pulls this one out. I'll say 28-21. One touchdown, one score game. One I've score got a two-score game, score game the other way. it stays close. So a, a three-touchdown difference. So we'll see how things uh, how things pan out. The Kentucky bourbon will be flowing mm. freely on Thursday night. That is well. So, uh, looking forward to being in that atmosphere. Uh, you know, SEC road games are yeah. always – entertaining uh, to say the least so yeah. uh, went to Baton Rouge earlier this year uh, it was a day game so we didn't get all the atmosphere but yeah. still this night game will be fun to go to yeah first SEC night game uh, for Auburn so we will see how they respond this is really a pivotal game yeah for the rest of the year because if you look at the rest of the schedule uh, if you lose this one there's a you got real, you've got one sure win left and that's Idaho yeah so that gets you to Four wins on the year. Yeah, they would have um, to pull off that road game in Arkansas and then upset either Ole Miss, A and M, Georgia, or Alabama. Don't see any of those happening. I don't see so it either. If you lose to Kentucky, uh, you're probably looking at an zero and eight year in the SEC. I think uh, because I think if they lose to Kentucky, they will also probably lose to Arkansas next week. So. We'll see how things go. This could be a, a turning point in either direction yeah. for Auburn. It's definitely a game to keep your eyes on. Yep. The eyes of the nation will be upon Lexington, Kentucky, Thursday night on ESPN. Ooh. We will be there providing live updates during the game, and we'll try and keep you guys entertained. And I guess we'll see you guys next week when we preview Arkansas. Yep. Deuces. See ya. Podcast on the Plains Sports Edition was produced with the assistance of 91.1 WEGL. The intro song Freestyle 30 by Benjamin Banger was provided by the Free Music Archive. For any questions about this podcast, email sports.